Welcome to Bloom, the podcast where mums share their unfiltered birth experiences. We hope that by listening to their stories, you feel empowered and inspired wherever you are on your own journey. Welcome to Bloom. Lauren's pregnancy, especially the latter stages, was not straightforward. Mid-pandemic, with a change of care provider halfway through, and a gestational diabetes diagnosis, which meant more scans, risks, and concerns about the baby's size. But despite all of this, she took it all in her stride, informing herself and making the right choices for her and her baby, one by one. What she didn't expect was the crash landing into motherhood that is the fourth trimester. In the weeks following her birth, Lauren suffered with postnatal hypertension, and it's likely she also had undetected preeclampsia. When she was advised to be readmitted into hospital with her baby, Lauren made a difficult decision that was right for her and her family, to stay at home. She talks about the turning point around six weeks postpartum, but gets real about this time and the strength needed to overcome it. How are you doing? Um, The best that I can, given the circumstances. I've got a little one who's full of cold at the moment and I'm also recovering, so... If I sound a bit nasally, please, just, yeah, it's the season, unfortunately. It is the season, my days, yeah. I think there's probably not a parent out there, is there? (laughs) Literally. All right, so if we could just start with a little introduction then. So if you could tell me your name, your age, where you're from, what you do in life, and tears in your family, please. Cool. So my name's Lauren. I am a 28-year-old mum of one my daughter's eight months old uh I live in London and I work sort of delivering youth projects in a in a London borough yeah amazing and before we kind of delve into the the journey to motherhood maybe you could tell me from the start of yours and your husband's story where did the two of you meet (laughs) I actually love this. So, like, the story is pretty wild, if I'm honest. So, um, I went to the University of Huddersfield. I travelled all the way up from London to this, like, really random town in West Yorkshire. Um, And I had, like, the time of my life there. But, yeah, that being by the by. And I moved into a flat, into student halls, as you do. And I'd been out on a really heavy night out. Um, and I was really, really hungover. And in comes in the final flatmate, um, who I didn't know was going to be my husband. Aww. So he was my flatmate. And yeah, we've just been together ever since, really, which is about 12 years this year. Um, and what's really nice is that our other flat flatmates were our bridesmaids at our wedding as well so it's one of those really really rare situations where you get with someone you probably shouldn't because it has the damage like the the potential to like impact so many people's lives but it rarely works out and I think I was in that that very like one percent of it working out yeah I feel like probably all of us before we went to uni imagined things would play out that way you'll just live with your future husband and then everything will just be easy (laughs) but you are that person (laughs) apparently so apparently so and what's really like bizarre is I had no intention of like 
meeting someone or getting married or even having kids so Mm. it is one of those situations where you meet someone and then your life literally changes course but yeah and it just so turned out that he also was from London as well and we had mutual friends and just yeah it's just one of those really bizarre stories amazing so was it a little bit into your time at uni that you actually became official and serious or was it fairly quick I think in hindsight maybe too soon (laughs) I was really enjoying I was enjoying (laughs) my single life put it that way um okay yeah first year first year romance that just yeah has 12 years later here we are Mm, amazing so um, you met at uni and you said that sort of changed the course of your life. Did you have any thoughts on children before you met your partner? Yeah, so, wow. I think we were on like opposite sides of the spectrum when it came to kids. And I remember okay. s- sitting and thinking, this isn't going to work. This is, this is just not going to work. Because my aim really was to like live a very... I guess free, free like life. Didn't really want, didn't want to have. Wasn't bothered about kids. I think that's the best way of putting it. Like if they came, they came. If not, like I'm really not bothered. Um, whereas my husband was very much like, want to get married, want to have kids, want to have multiple kids, and especially being so young, that was very much like. Uh, at the time like a deal breaker because I was just thinking I'm just not ready for to do any of that whether it's now or in the future but I think finding the right person helped me change my perspective on a lot of things really and um Mm. yeah and it just so happened that I ended up getting married quite young at 25 and then ended up Mm. having a baby so all the things that I thought I wouldn't do I've done (laughs) yeah all it took was the right person to make you think, I wonder what your children would look like. <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> um, but so were you actively trying when you conceived? Yeah. So, yeah, she was quote unquote planned. Although I do think there's like, I have this thing about when you say a child's been planned because hmm. Gab, like my daughter, Gabby, she was planned, but I was still surprised when I saw like the, positive on the pregnancy stick or the the pregnancy test so Mm -hmm. she was planned I think I took my time in terms of like not rushing into it I didn't even though I'd found the right person I wanted to have a kid with I still wanted to like grow into myself and grow into my career and I think I just reached that point where I was just like I don't remember feeling like oh I'm ready but I remember feeling like, mm. yeah, that now's now's an okay time to do that. Okay. And do you remember where you were when you saw the positive pregnancy test? I do. I was at work. Were you? <laughs> yeah. In the toilets on your own? <laughs> literally, literally. Sat in this youth centre. Um, yeah. And I took a test, one of your clear blue ones, because I just, you know what, actually, that is not how it went down. I took a test in the morning. It was one of those really simple tests that's like two lines or one line or whatever. And it said I was pregnant. But for some reason, despite we had been trying and it was planned, I didn't believe the test. So I thought, I'm running late to work. I'll take another test when I'm at work. Okay. So on my way to work, I stopped at Superdrug, picked up one of those tests up 
say either pregnant or not pregnant because I, I think I actually needed to see the words mm-hmm. to believe it. Yeah. Went into the toilet in this youth centre, peed on the test, and that was black and white pregnant. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, this is what I mean. Like, the, the thought of her being planned just went out the window because I was not prepared for that. <laughs> that for that result if that makes sense yeah of course so the one at home had your husband been around for that result or had you done it on your own no I done it on my own and he was like really quite annoyed with me because he was like oh when you when you take a test can I be there but I think I just knew I was like "Mm, something doesn't feel right and it wasn't because I wasn't being sick I just felt not entirely connected with my Mm. body um so he wasn't there when I took the test. Uh, I was by myself. And what did you do at work when you had that information? What what sort of how much of your work day was left to get through? <laughs> I did it in the morning, okay. so I would not advise anyone to do that at work because <laughs> it does play it does play in your mind all day. I literally just like wrapped it in tissue and stuffed it in my bag and just pretended that I didn't see that I didn't see it but then in the back of my mind I was like oh my gosh I'm pregnant you know it's like yeah it's like always it's always there um but I just tried to get through the day as best as I possibly could yeah so how did you tell your partner um I remember him being on our bed in our bedroom and him getting in for work and um I got I think I was like oh I've got a surprise for you or I've got I've got something for you and then him being like what and I was like close your eyes and then I just like gave (laughs) so unhygienic when I think about that just gave him the pregnancy test that said I was pregnant (laughs) and he was like wow you know it's like a really you you don't forget the moment but it wasn't like an elaborate, yeah. like grand gesture. It's just like we're pregnant. Yeah, this is it, really. I think, um, yeah, I think probably pregnancy tests find themselves in a lot of situations that hygienically they probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> um, all right, so you've told your partner, and I, I assume at this point it's kind of only a short amount of time after your missed period so you've still got a while to go um before you're gonna be having like an official scan or anything but did you do anything else to kind of confirm the positive result were you did you pick in to see a doctor or anything or what were your next steps yeah so um I kind of figured out I was like really it was a really early pregnancy I couldn't have been more than eight eight weeks I think like the little test says like one to two months or whatever I don't know it was hard I was between six and eight weeks it was it was really really early um so I we did book in an early scan and I don't really know why we did that I don't I don't know if that was really necessary in hindsight um but we did book in an early scan it did take me a fair while to actually let the doctors know if I was honest because I think I just wanted to wait until mm. the pregnancy had progressed just a little bit longer and just get over the shock of it all um so that did take okay. some time I think by the time I informed the doctors I think it was like 10 weeks going on 10 weeks um what happens is I think there's a form you fill out online for your maternity services 
And I filled mm. that in and then I heard nothing. And then I informed my doctor because I was like, I haven't heard anything. Um, mm. Okay. And were you, how were your symptoms at that time before you had your first official appointment? So mostly dizzy, just feeling a bit dizzy, feeling a bit like weak, not weak, but a bit like lightheaded at this point one or two days i was very fortunate to only have like one or two days of really bad nausea um but yeah just manageable totally manageable um thank goodness one of the things i didn't expect is like um Mm. the hormonal changes so i was like smelling things really powerfully like picking up whiffs of even my own body or odor like that was like the biggest shock I was like is that me what do I, do I smell like, like this that? my whole life yeah. <laughs> why has no one told me that I smell yeah it was just like mm-hmm. oh my goodness I'm feeling like I needed to shower all the time um but in terms of like physical symptoms like nah I was I was pretty fortunate in that respect because I know morning sickness can be really um really yeah really well it can yeah and especially the when it doesn't end when it's not morning sickness when it's all day sickness and when it's for longer than just the first trimester as well yeah absolutely hmm. I mean I had it for a few days and I was like that's enough I was like <laughs> so my heart really does go out to you know the women that do hmm. have the prolonged morning sickness and the sickness that goes all day and also just like debunking the fact that morning sickness doesn't always happen yeah. in the mornings because I was still feeling sick like two o'clock in the afternoon and <laughs> being like what is this so mm. and so did you on the whole would you say that you enjoyed your pregnancy did you did you feel like that kind of quintessential pregnancy glow and happy feeling in your body Oh, the glow, the glow. When did the glow come? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so to answer, yes, I did enjoy my pregnancy. I just enjoyed seeing my body change. I felt very strong in some respects. Like the bigger I got, I was like, wow, I didn't know my body could Mm. like do this. And I feel very strong. Um, Those were on the days where I wasn't just exhausted, by the way. but on the whole, I did enjoy my pregnancy. There was a few things that, you know, a few things that what wasn't helpful that I didn't that I didn't enjoy. I had uh, gestational diabetes. I only found that out really late into the pregnancy. Um, okay, what is that? Can you kind of describe the like on a medical level what what it actually means yeah sure so it's like i guess like pregnancy induced diabetes so you have diabetes just for the duration of your pregnancy um but there are a few additional health factors in the fact that you're 50 percent more likely to develop type 2 diabetes if you've had gestational diabetes Mm. um and also it means that you're monitored a bit more by the hospitals um because your baby's out risk of being larger than other babies and okay. um, that wasn't my story there's a whole backstory <laughs> into that um but it's definitely something that needs to be it's a big it's a huge huge life change so i had to completely change my diet and i had a carb sensitivity which meant that basically 
like carbs were out the window. So anything like cake, biscuits, chips, bread. Um, yeah, it just meant I had to completely overhaul my diet, really. Mm. And were those things that, because obviously, you know, the, the cliche beige buffet is something that a lot of pregnant women kind of live off with those things you were craving. Absolutely. Anyway. Or... Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Like just the thought of like a digestive, chocolate digestive biscuit was like enough to send me over the edge, especially when you can't have it. It's like, it's like the worst <laughs> yeah. thing ever. Like all I wanted was just stodge, like jacket potatoes and like beans and all the rest of it. But like, yeah, it was mm. it was really, really tricky. So I found that out about 30, I don't know, 30, 32, 33 weeks. Okay. So really quite late. And so had you just been... Uh, presumably you hadn't any idea before that time when you found out that you weren't supposed to be doing any of those things so had it had any impact so in all fairness to the like NHS and the whole system and they do if you do have certain risk factors they will get you to do like a glucose sensitivity test I forget what it's called got like a formal term for it yeah and because of it I'm from a like Afro-Caribbean background it was like they were like we recommend that you have this I was like okay sure um there's two parts of the test one's like a urine test they, they checked that then, then they said oh we think you need to go for another test so I did the other test and they were like okay you know you have gestational diabetes and my reason for finding out so late I think is from for a few factors so one is that I changed hospital um Mm-hmm. I changed my care mid mid course by choice, and okay. the second the second part of that is because I also caught COVID, <laughs> so oh, I think there gosh. was a little bit of a delay having to do ten day isolation at that time. I think there was a little mm-hmm. bit of a delay, but um, yeah, I think yeah, I think between changing hospitals and having COVID, I think that's why I found out so late. Yeah, all right. Um, what was the, was the change in hospital for a reason unrelated to the gestational diabetes? Yeah, I just felt I didn't felt feel very held by my first hospital. I felt like I was bit into appointments that weren't meant for me. Mm. Um, some of my information, like my, the record keeping, wasn't particularly accurate in my instance. Okay, and. I think the what the, the I think the the final straw was then I called up and about an appointment to check what time it is and then they said, "Oh, you missed two appointments." And I said, "Like it's impossible. Like I've, mm. I've not missed these two appointments." And they were like, "Oh, we have you, we have you down as a no show." And I said, "Well, you've never sent me the appointment, so I, I could be the no show." And then they said, "Oh, it was an error." And then I said, oh, I've kind, of kind of thought to myself, like, actually, that's really quite serious, you know? Yeah. Coming from a safeguarded background, like, to have me, have me down as someone who's just not turned up to their appointment with no explanation. Yeah. You're getting into the grounds of safeguarding, and actually, I just don't feel held by you guys. And I know I did eventually get an apology by the hospital, mm, but I just felt good. like, you know what? yeah yeah to be fair they did apologize I just thought you know what like fresh start I'll read my cash just down the road 
and yeah and then from then on things were things were okay yeah okay well I'm, I'm glad that you felt able to do that because I do think that sometimes women feel a sense of maybe looking back they wished they'd done things differently but in the moment they didn't dare because there was no quote-unquote real reason whereas we're now understanding I think a lot more how important mindset is in the whole pregnancy and birth journey so was it did you find the shift in in hospital helped helped with your um headspace it did help but I will say that I was as someone who's quite um quite confident in working with like organizations I do this as part of my jobs all the time Mm. um I did feel quite vulnerable that my, my confidence had gone to advocate for myself and I don't know if that's pregnancy related I still look back and I think what was that about about why did I let that go on for so long Mm. um I just felt like on the back foot if that made sense and I spoke to my friend who also had kids and she's just like no no like you really need to advocate for yourself like this is your journey like don't don't be made to feel like you're completely out of control of the situation and if things have gone wrong you need to kind of you know you need to kind of highlight it and like not make them change but just identify that this is an issue and Mm. you expect it to be rectified Um, because if you don't advocate for yourself then literally you could get dragged from pillar to post it wasn't easy um I just didn't feel like the expert if that made sense but I think there comes a time when enough is enough really yeah so the new hospital what type of place was it was it just conveniently located to where you lived or what were the kind of priorities that you had in choosing the place that you wanted to give birth the irony is I didn't deliberately didn't choose the hospital that I'd given birth that I actually gave birth in because I'd worked with that hospital previously Okay. And I just didn't want, like, I didn't want the, like, kind of, like, um, like my professional leaking into my personal, if that made sense. It was mm. nothing against the hospital. Um, so I'd chosen, like, the other neighbouring hospital just to kind of keep my private life private, essentially. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just felt, you know, I did change quite late in the in the game. So I, I finally got an allocated midwife because up until that point, I hadn't had an allocated midwife, yeah. um, which I didn't even know. I didn't even know I was meant to have because I've never had a child before. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I got to the new hospital, they were like, "Who's your midwife?" And I was like, "I don't know." And they were like, "What do you mean you don't know?" Um, so loads of things kind of came to the surface in terms of things that hadn't been picked up or whatever. Um, I also the the new hospital, like I, it was just a nice hospital. It's, yeah, it's a nice hospital. They kind of pride themselves on being a good place to give birth, apparently. But to be fair, I don't know. I I, I don't know what the experience is meant to be like, so I, I can't I can't really say. I can't really say. Mm-hmm. And your so the di- diagnosis of the gestational diabetes that was after you changed, was it? Yes, it was after I changed. Yeah. Okay, and apart from restricting your diet to certain things. Was there anything else that you were told you needed to do to manage that? Yeah, so it also means like pricking myself with a needle four times a day. Gosh, um, wow. 
Yeah. So you kind of find out that like, oh, you've got gestational diabetes. So you get the phone call. You've got gestational diabetes. Can you come and collect your your uh, your your testing kit from the hospital? Mm-hmm. Like ASAP. The way they say it with so such urgency. I was like in a state of panic mm-hmm. and they were like I was like I'm at work and they were like well you can you come and collect it today and I was like oh my gosh like is it that urgent like I'm, is something gonna happen to me if I don't collect this kit today uh-huh. and like um so yeah so you collect your kit and then they enrolled me in like a workshop of, as to like how to put the needles in how to read the readings how to prick myself where to prick myself um yeah so it is a big it is a big adjustment I will say that but I think looking back on it I I'm not so scared of it now like I had I did a lot a lot of reading into gestational diabetes and diabetes Mm -hmm. and how that would impact my birth as well because there's certain things there's that now you're entering the realm of guidelines and time scales and in regards to the actual birth of your yeah. child um so I did a lot a lot of additional reading to kind of make myself feel as empowered as possible um yeah. because I knew it would come with some additionalities if that makes sense so yeah so go on so um what impact could it have had on the birth so the ooh, okay I want to get this completely right so you can have a natural birth with gestational diabetes or like a vaginal birth or yeah, yeah I don't know the correct terminology you could you could have the birth <laughs> the baby can come out <laughs> the baby can come out you have to go for it you have to go for additional checkups to make sure that the size and the weight of the baby is fine um but in terms of the birth you, the baby will come the difficulty comes into uh if your diabetes is not well controlled, mm-hmm. like it can't be controlled with insulin, it can't. Be, you've got okay, so you've got several options. You've got diet controlled diabetes. If that doesn't work, then you've got uh, metformin, and then if that doesn't work, then you've got like your insulin, basically. Right. And they have different outcomes essentially in terms of how long they will allow you to go on with your pregnancy for. If that makes sense. Uh-huh. So the hospital's approach is very much like we want to control when this baby comes because if this baby is too big it can add to you know additional complications Mm -hmm. which I actually think is nonsense I'm just going to put it out there I actually think I don't actually agree with it but I understand I actually understand why they do it doesn't mean I don't respect it I just don't agree with it okay so they're concerned about you having a big baby and you know I guess you know that you'll be induced at some point if that becomes an, a concern that is starting to pose a risk to both of your health. Um, was that, did that stress you out or were you able to kind of go with the flow and relax in the last few weeks? I think the pressure for me was making sure that my gestational diabetes could be kept as diet controlled because I think there are certain guidelines when you have metformin and insulin that say like, you can only go up to like this amount of time before okay. we induce you. And I kind of just wanted like the full, I didn't, I did, just didn't want someone like calling my kid's card to be like, your time's up. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I wanted, the, I wanted the opportunity to have like, to have that choice if that made sense. So the pressure was there to keep it diet controlled, which I was able to do. 
Amazing. Um, it was, and that's a struggle, and it's a big, big struggle. And sometimes you can be really good with your diet, and you still need the help of metformin or insulin. So it's a real relay, I will say. Mm. Um, so I was overdue, okay. which is a bit of like a grey area when it comes to like gestational diabetes, because what they really want to do is just say like you're overdue, the baby's getting bigger, like let's get it out. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, my last, in like, once I got to 40 weeks, I was pretty tired of being pregnant, to be honest. Who's really sitting there at 40 weeks, like, up for life, though, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm getting tired anyway. But the whole, I think, I think as to how I, so I ended up getting an, an induction. Okay. And it wasn't because they thought my baby was big, it's because they thought my baby was small. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so imagine going through all of that to be like, oh, your baby's actually really quite small. Um, yeah, and all the jacket potatoes you could have been having. No, um, literally. On a serious note, though, was it when you say they were worried that that she was too small? Was it um, at what point? Because presumably they're measuring measuring the size before the very end. Yeah, so it was it was kind of like a surprise, like crash ending towards the end of my pregnancy. Yeah. So, I'd, I was overdue, they said, come in. Um, I wasn't sure about having a sweep just because I just thought I'm going to give birth to this kid in one way or another. I'm going to have loads of people in me and on me mm-hmm. anyway. So before we even get to that point, like, can we just limit it because I know what's about to come? Mm. Um, but they said, come down, we'll check your blood pressure, we'll check you whether you can decide on the day if you want to sweep. Um, got down there, checked my blood pressure. They were like, oh, it's kind of like borderline um let's also I said okay let's just do a sweep because at this point I could just see where this is going try to do a sweep and they were like we can't actually do a sweep because your cervix is too high like you're not you're nowhere near basically okay this baby is not coming and I thought oh my goodness like I'm full I think at that point I was like 40 plus two or 40 plus three okay and I was thinking I know that I can only go up to 40 plus five I think it's the guidelines, 40 plus 5, I think is the maximum for diet controlled diabetes. Okay. Um, and then they measure my bum, like, man- manually. <laughs> like they did in the older days, yeah. basically, with a tape measure. They were like, oh, but you're measuring about, you know, two weeks behind. Right. I'm going to send you to the doctor, to the hospital. So I went down to the hospital. God bless my mother-in-law, who, you know, I... <laughs> poor woman like literally stopped at Marks and Spencer's grabbed the salvage straight down to the hospital got to the hospital they did my my blood pressure they were like yeah it's a bit borderline and also your baby is measuring a bit small this could mean that the placenta's the placenta may be deteriorating uh-huh. so at that point and then she was just like I really think you need to be induced and I was like weighing up the pros and the cons and like what this all means and then, and then they said the final thing that was like we can't guarantee the safety of like your baby or you if you continue with this pregnancy and I was just like well if you put it like that yeah. you know it's like a gun to your head moment but it all worked out it did all work out and I do understand what they're saying like it it, it could be a scary place if they feel like the baby's not growing anymore mm. put on any weight yeah it's a it's a really difficult thing isn't it the whole induction question because you know there there are lots of women who feel like well yeah I think I think a lot of women come into it thinking they want to see what when their body will do it naturally and it comes a point when 
you know, the medical professionals probably do know best, but that gray area, exactly as you say, can be a really scary place where you don't know when to stop advocating for yourself and when to when to say, okay, actually the main thing is that everyone comes out of this happy and healthy and and to have no regrets about any of your choices. Definitely. I think what really helped is that I read up quite extensively about um, induction. And I think even though it was a shock for me to be like, <laughs> to, to go to hospital hall and then like be like told, pack your bags, you're coming back mm-hmm. in. I still felt quite informed yeah. in a way, because not because of what I've been told, but because of what I've mm-hmm. read. And okay. yeah. So I read a really good book and it's called Why Induction Matters. Okay. And that really, ha- that really, really was helpful. Okay. How did you come across that? Did someone recommend I it? I think, ooh, I think I listened to a podcast about gestational diabetes. Okay. And I think that book was mentioned. Mm, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Information is really um, empowering, I think, for a lot of women to help them feel like the choice is still in their hands. Definitely. So on the so you had the induction and did you were you given a choice as to what sort of induction you'd have? Yeah, oh, this it's all like flooding back to me now. So just just so you know, like the guidelines are uh, thirty seven to consider induction at thirty seven weeks for women who have diabetes. For women who have gestational okay. diabetes, I think it's considered either induction or cesarean between 37 and 38 weeks okay and you were at 40 plus three yeah I was at 40 plus three at that point and then for women who with gestational diabetes to give birth no later than 40 weeks plus six days and I had I had g at 40 plus five (laughs) okay so pretty close towing the line somewhat um okay and so what sort of method did you opt for Oh, it's just such a minefield. It really is. So <laughs> I don't I don't remember all the names, but they gave me one thing that was like one option that was potentially like a balloon. Mm-hmm. Something that looked like a matchstick. And I thought <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't look great. It just I don't know what it was. I think it was meant to be like non-hormonal. I don't know, but it's just the contraption itself yeah. didn't look appealing mm-hmm. and then obviously there's the the pessary yeah. the, the two parts sort of pessary and then the hormone the hormonal drip surprisingly i went i went against my own birth plan and opted for the pessary because okay. i think it worked quicker i think okay. it, it got, got got things moving a bit quicker um so i had the pessary and i didn't even make it to having the drip because it so it worked well. Oh yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I had the pessary. And so you say you didn't make it to the drip. How long did it take to start bringing contractions on? So I got into hospital. The, I actually went to hospital the following day. I don't know what happened that night. I think I asked if I could spend the night at home. Okay. Because, yeah. Come back in tomorrow at eleven. Came back the next day at eleven. I didn't get the pessary till 11 at night. Okay. And I was very like, like, can I have gas and air? Basically, I was like, can I have gas and air whilst we're inserting this pessary? And they were like, we don't usually give it for the pessary, but as you've asked, like, we'll give you gas and air. Okay. So, there I am on the bed, like, gas and air, yet, 
midwife comes in, husband's beside me, and I am laughing hysterically <laughs> to the point where the woman the woman couldn't even insert the pessary. Like I was like I was like laughing like an absolute loon. My my husband is like red with embarrassment. He's like, I don't know who this woman is. Like that I am like talking the most nonsense. I've gone to like midway, I've gone to her and I've been like, oh, I'm so glad I've got a black midwife. This means so much to me. And I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even know that was on my mind. I was like <laughs> laughing. He said he said like he, he was so embarrassed. He's like crippled with embarrassment embarrassment. Yeah, so she was like, I need you to stop so I can put the pressure in. So I stopped. And like the embarrassment that I felt afterwards, I was just like, I was, I was apologizing profusely. I'm like, I'm so sorry. She's like, don't worry, we're so used to it. Press three went in at 11. And then three o'clock in the morning, I was like, oh, there's something going on. I was like, can I have some pain relief? And they were like, yeah, you can have some paracetamol. I was like, great, this is going to be a long day. And then. <laughs> Half past six, I messaged my mother-in-law to say, can you remind my husband to pack my dressing gown and slippers? Uh-huh. Half past eight, my husband called, and I was like, come now. <laughs> Get to the hospital now. So, yeah, that's how, pretty much how long it took. So from 11, 11-ish, give or take, because of all of the hysteria of the gas and air, you have the pessary, and then by 8.30 in the morning, you've... You've only you've gone through the whole night basically with gas and air and a paracetamol. Yeah, well they they don't they only give you gas and air for to insert it. As soon as it's inserted, then you're it's just you and God really. <laughs> um I did have a tens machine, uh-huh. which was amazing. Oh amazing. Yeah, I really like my mother in law suggested it and I was like, really? Like mm. I was like, I wasn't really didn't have faith in it. But like come the morning, I was like, the midwife had come back in and I was like, can you help me put this on? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, this is great. I was like, this is advice that I'm so glad I did take because it really, really did help. Oh, that's so fascinating. Yeah, I, I'm, my mum actually said a similar thing to me. She said she swore by it and I I couldn't actually procure one. Where did you get it from? Uh, Facebook Marketplace. Mm, interesting. As you do. As what did do. it feel like? I can't explain it. It's just like a midi, like occasionally just being like flicked or pinched, mm-hmm. but in a, in a good way, in a good way. Yeah. It's supposed to be a bit of a distraction somehow. Yeah. A bit like acupressure or like put, using pressure points. Do you put it in the middle of your back? Is that where it goes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um. All right. And so you you said to him, you've got to get here now because you feel like it's all kicking off and how soon after that did think that were you able to start fishing so oh gosh so I told him to tell he said that he was in the hardware store I was like I don't care get here now he got there at eight in the morning yeah like half past <laughs> eight I think it was at Wix or something like that we literally just like got our house our place so oh. there was some DIY that needed to be done anyway life is chaos <laughs> right yeah so I, oh, okay, so he came. By that point, I'd completely gone into myself. He said mm-hmm. I didn't speak for hours. It was like so frustrating for him. Yeah. He was like, Lauren, you've either, you've either got to walk or get in the bath. You can't stay like this. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'll get in the bath. Got in the bath. He said I was asleep. 
I was not asleep. I just couldn't talk. I was like, I was like really in my own head, yeah. like trying to get through what I now know were contractions, which I didn't know they were contractions because no one told me. Mm. <laughs> so I've got, got out of the bed and I'm, not the bed, the bath, and then I've just been like, get me, I'm not going to swear, but I did swear, get me the midwife now, mm-hmm. now. <laughs> in she comes, she's like, oh, I'm just here to inspect you. And I said, get me that bleep, bleep, bleep epidural now. I think it just ramped up. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, we'll get you some pain relief. Da, 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 da. And then they were like, we just need to inspect you. And then they were like, oh, you're, I think, I think it was like four or six centimetres dilated. Okay. They were like, oh, you can go to the labour room now. Did you know that what how many centimetres you were aiming for? I was aiming for two so I could get some gas and air. Okay. <laughs> so I completely missed that. <laughs> completely missed it. And but in comes another woman with a wheelchair. And my husband's like stuffing all of our belongings in the bag. And they like run me to the labour room. Like I remember feeling like the cool breeze on my face. <laughs> got to the labour room, got on the bed. And they're like, oh, you're 10 centimetres now. I can start pushing. What? I said, oh, I said, I want the epidural. They said, no, no epidural for you. <laughs> I said, can I get some cast of air? Oh my goodness. So you went from four or six centimetres to 10 in the space of like seconds like minutes yeah wow that's um that's amazing were you happy about that or do you remember how you felt about it no I was I wanted more epidural I was just like Mm. I need at that point I needed something I felt like I needed something and then I was told like I missed the boat and I think I was really hung up on that but it worked out okay like I, I they were like you could push and I pushed and uh, they were like, you can push again. And I pushed again. And the head, and they, just, they said, oh, the head's out. And then I freaked out completely. Aww. I wanted to like put, put her back in, <laughs> essentially. I was like, what do you mean the head's here? Um, and then I pushed again and then she just came out. And obviously, I, I didn't think I mentioned that. We didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. Okay. Did you have a, did you know which one you wanted or were you? totally happy with either I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't really care what I what I had but I I felt that I was having a boy what nonsense I felt it in my in the pits of my soul I felt I was having a boy and I had a girl (laughs) yeah that's funny it's a 50 50 chance isn't it at the end of the day so a lot of people feel really strongly and then it's right and you're like okay maybe there is some sort of an intuition here but it's hard to know isn't it um and how is your baby doing after all of the kind of fears about how big she'd be she was like regular size I think she was seven three okay yeah yeah she was like pretty pretty good size to be fair so no one was mm. right not the gestational diabetes yeah not too big not too small that's right she she was like came came into the world really chilled oh you know just really just chilled I looked a mess but obviously just really concerned that she was okay um when you have gestational diabetes you're meant to feed the baby within the first 30 minutes which is a lot a lot of pressure okay why where does that come from well they they say the breast milk but i didn't well we we will never know if i had colostrum or not (laughs) i assume that i did biologically but it just 
it never came mm-hmm. it just never ever came so so yeah so what kind of three things off is that I taught I had a second degree tear I think because she came so quickly so uh-huh. we all got in our scrubs I got like not me but my husband did and, and the baby came with us to the theater room I guess whilst they just stitched me up and massaged my breast for colostrum okay and then they realized that it just wasn't coming so then we ended up just giving her a little bit of formula my husband had the first feed of the baby mm-hmm. and yeah yeah then the rest of it was just about recovery really mm. so how is like emotionally how were you doing because it, it feels like listening back to it that it was a bit of a an emotional roller coaster especially the towards the end of the pregnancy changing hospitals a bit of a mixed bag in terms of your care and then this birth kind of seems to continue on with that theme a little bit like (laughs) oh and I wish I could say it got better but it it didn't right (laughs) so like the latter part of my pregnancy was really turbulent I would say it was really turbulent Mm -hmm. um so I had the tear and then what I had after that was postnatal hypertension okay so is that linked to the diabetes no okay it isn't it isn't fortunately it isn't but however we could assume looking back that I probably had preeclampsia okay that went undetected okay so what I did know is that you can have preeclampsia after the birth can you explain what preeclampsia is so preeclampsia is when you're uh, blood pressure is really, really, really quite high to the point where it could potentially pose a risk to you or your baby, basically. Okay. It's quite silent sometimes. It can be easily misconstrued for other things. Yeah. Things like headaches, you could link to hormones, but it could be preeclampsia, uh, vomiting. Yeah, yeah, because you said that was one of your first symptoms, like even in in the first trimester. Yeah, I think mine went undetected was because a, a telltale sign of preeclampsia is swelling, the swelling of the feet, swelling of the face, the swelling of the hands, and I didn't have any of that. Okay, um, and I didn't have it afterwards either. So it, it's one of those mm. things where it can go undetected and it and it and it can be really serious so okay so that when did that get diagnosed after your your birth so after i came out of theater it can take because of all the shock of having a baby and you know all the other interventions and stuff like that it can it, it can destabilize your blood pressure anyway okay. so i've monitored for a couple of days because also gd guidelines say that you stay in for 48 hours for monitoring just to make sure that your blood sugar levels are okay mm-hmm. uh, but my blood pressure wasn't stable it took them a long time to get it stabilized it did finally come down and then i went home and then the midwife came out and then she was like actually we're really concerned about your blood pressure and i think that happened on two occasions and then i took her back into hospital essentially right which i didn't want to do by that point baby's here and i just want to settle and i just couldn't because i kept having all these appointments and stuff like that and they said look we're really quite concerned but i i think that we should keep you in for observation and instead you're like oh gosh like do i leave my baby at home do i want my baby to be in a hospital environment again where there's all you know potentially there's germs and stuff like that yeah can she even be away from me can I even be away from her my husband's also like I don't really want to be away from you I can't stay because of 
the whole COVID guidelines and stuff like that. Oh, of course. It, yeah, so it just got to a point where I was just like, I'm sick of this. And I just said, no. <laughs> I'll, no, I'm not staying. I'm not staying in the hospital. Yeah. There has to be another way. So they gave me some injections to stabilise my hypertension, which my husband had to do in my thigh. Mm-hmm. I had to do that for 10 days. Okay. So after that, I can say that, yes, <laughs> it, like the experience kind of settled. Okay. But yeah, I think that crash landing uh, into motherhood was, yeah, quite tough. Yeah, gosh. I mean, I think that there's very little, I don't know if you think this is true for you, but it seems to me that people are very well prepared or people feel the need to do preparation for the the birth part, but often not so much what comes after it. And I don't know if there's anything that you can think of that would have helped prepare you for that crash landing. Ooh, such a good question. No. (laughs) No, no. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair, I think. No, really. I, I do agree with you. Like, I, I did not prepare myself adequately for postpartum or fourth trimester because I think I read about it, like, when I was, like, overdue. Because, you mm. know, you're in that lull of, like, waiting for your baby. I read about the fourth trimester then. And I was like, oh, like, this is something I actually need to prepare for. But then, obviously, the baby came and, like, I, I found myself... T- playing catch up really mm-hmm. so if I was to have another one I think yeah definitely prepare myself more for that postpartum stage because yeah it can be really quite tough yeah and I suppose as well if you're dealing with it during the pandemic it's not the kind of coping mechanism that a lot of women have is close friends and family being on hand to kind of descend when needed and I think the pandemic probably stopped a lot of people from having access to that support when they hadn't necessarily been able to prepare, you can always fall back on that support network. But then during the pandemic, that wasn't even an option for a lot of people. Absolutely. I really have like the utmost respect for the mothers that had kids like in the peak of the pandemic, because I was really fortunate in the fact that I was staying at my mother-in-law's and I didn't have to cook, I didn't have to clean and it was just wonderful. But Mm, that is good. the, the The sheer like, you know, lack of support system and, isolation that you know those mothers had to feel I just my heart really goes out to them and mm. um, that's good though that you were with your family and how long did you stay there for um, a while because our, <laughs> our, our home was being renovated mm-hmm. yeah hence the Wix trip on the morning of your labor <laughs> yeah hence that trip. <laughs> so I was there for about three months yeah okay um the whole fourth trimester basically yeah basically Mm. and had you heard of the baby blues leading up to giving birth did you know that that was something that happened and did it did it happen for you oh boy did it happen Uh yeah so I think like I think I was shocked I think shocked is the right word um I I brought this beautiful perfect baby home but I think I was so I felt I left hospital feeling quite broken if Mm. I'm honest physically like wounded I had the tear and then all the other things that have happened along the way I felt quite I felt my body just felt battered I felt battered I felt tired 
you know, I'd been in that hospital environment for a couple of days and I just felt really wounded. And I remember just bringing Gabby mm. home or to my, my mother-in-law's and just like crying, like sobbing my heart out, like in what I felt was, oh, should have been like the happiest moment of my life. But it just wasn't, I just, I'm not even gonna lie, it just wasn't, I just felt so wounded and just like mm. not really sure what had happened. And yeah, so, so that was a big shock to me and I felt tremendous guilt for a while that, that I just cried, you know, the first day bringing my baby home, but, it's not nothing to do with her it's obviously just to do with the process but in terms of like baby blues I would say I was tearful for a good five weeks week five was the turning point Mm. and I remember being like so tearful I look back on it now and I, I don't understand it I don't know if it was my hormones adjusting I just don't know but I remember thinking like is this is this ppd like is this is this it like because you're not sure you're just not sure people are like yeah give yourself time give yourself time give yourself time I'm just, mm. and i remember going to my six week checkup and being like look i've been really really tearful and it just so happened that my week six checkup was when things started to take a turn for the better i think had i gone the week before mm. i would have probably been a bit more of a concern but yeah i think five weeks of feeling uh not sad i don't think sad's the word but i just like emotional yeah emotional like my feet weren't touching the ground i didn't really know what was going on i felt a bit like a feeding machine so did you breastfeed i bred yeah so i breastfed her i had the support of some amazing amazing midwives the colostrum did come, the milk did come in the end. Like, we just have to give it some time. Ah, I assumed that you that you had gone on to formula feed when you said that. But that was, that was wonderful if you managed to... Yeah, so we, we kept it. We kept the formula in the evenings because it just allowed my uh-huh. husband to do a feed. But, like, I, I breastfed her all the other times, all the other millions of times, at least feeding every 40 minutes or something or whatever ridiculous mm. amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> so I had so much breast milk. I was just like, wow, like, I thought I would be able to do this. And it just, like, it came and I had really good support and breastfeeding support. And I would say, like, the midwives, beauty midwives were amazing with that. You know, at the beginning when it's really tough, the baby's like, you're not even sure if the latch is correct and it's just really mm. painful. I did not think that I could bleed from my nipples. Like, I did not know that was yeah. a thing. I was really, really well supported. I was really, really well supported. And silverettes are amazing. That's all I'm going to say. Those little silver cups over your nipples, they make the world of difference. Oh, good tip. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, very, at the time I was like, wow, these are expensive. But as soon as I put them on, I was like, I cannot be without these. And then, you know, and then your body just adjusts to it. So I did brief breastfeed her. I stopped breastfeeding Gabby at seven months. Mm. She's just so big now. My back is wrecked. So yeah. it's time. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I'm glad that you were able to to be well supported through that journey at least. And did you, was that just luck? Like, did you just happen to kind of tumble upon the right people? Yeah, I think it was partly luck. And then obviously, like, I, I think we had a local NCT breastfeeding cafe and I think mm. the advisors there were really really good they were really helpful and um, I was really struggling with just my back and just feeling comfortable with it and they were yeah they get some really good 
suggestions so mm. yeah I think I was just really lucky really mm, good well I mean you'd been unlucky at a lot of other points up until then so it was time <laughs> that, that your fortune turned for the better um yeah and then how's Gabby doing now she's great she's so she's oh my gosh I've been saying she's eight months old she's nine months today Aww. so nine months ago today <laughs> I had a girl because she's she's great she's crawling she's entering toddler like toddler life uh-huh. um yeah she's she's just a force she's an absolute force <laughs> um yeah I know it's it's good and I will say that you know after week five week six like it's been really great mm. since then like I've definitely found my feet and you know very very grateful um because postpartum depression actually runs in my family my mum had it okay so I think we were, we were all kind of bracing ourselves a little bit but I I've been fortunate up until this point mm. I think but I wonder if it's not I mean I'm by far from a qualified professional on this topic but it doesn't feel like a binary thing to me, you know, like, I don't know if it's as simple as you had it or you didn't. And baby blues is probably a very unhelpful term in that sense, because it slightly trivializes what women go through hormonally, emotionally, physically in that time. And, you know, yeah, it sounds like you, you had a lot to deal with and process and, um, you came out the other side which is which is amazing yeah only just <laughs> only just <laughs> well maybe we could finish on some light-hearted like a couple of just quick fire questions um any products you couldn't have done without so you mentioned the is it silver cups or what did you call them yeah silver okay yeah pure nipples anything else do you know what I bought so much this <laughs> um like a babe like somewhere to put the baby I was I was it, it sounds ridiculous whether it's like a little I don't know cushion or a bouncer or something like the baby needs to go somewhere it can't it can't always just sit in your arms and I think I, I think that was a shock <laughs> to me because I was like wow I need to actually put this baby somewhere and I have nowhere to put the baby uh-huh. so yeah we had a bouncer we had like a sleepy head type uh-huh. thing they were great just when you just want to park the baby and run to the toilet mm. very 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 helpful and lots of spare clothes honestly like I'm not being funny not every day the washing machine needs to be going on just get some spare clothes and mm. yeah you'll be changing endless nappies just have a good supply of basics really yeah um first meal after birth do you remember that I think a lot was going on I'm not sure if you managed to think about feed <laughs> Oh yeah, because I had gestational diabetes. I think I had I had a burrito. Oh, was that I had a burrito? I had five guys. I had five guys. Mm, nice. Yeah, delivered to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you got that as soon as you could. <laughs> um, well, thank you. And what's what's the future got in store for your family? Would you think that you would like Gabby to have a little brother or sister one day? I don't know. Do you know what? I think I just need to give myself some more time. I need time. Yeah. I need time to just enjoy and to regroup myself. And, you know, I, I think the actual birth, like giving birth to her wasn't terrible. Like I could probably do that again. But I think mm. just the big shift in adjustment, I need to just give myself some time to just regroup. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. 
yeah well um yeah I really appreciate you talking to me and for being so honest about everything you went through I know it will be really helpful for lots of other mums and mums to be and um I hope you recover from your cold soon (laughs) oh thank you I'm really sorry about this stuffy nose but hopefully it should should go soon That's the end of this episode. Take care and see you next time.